Come on in. Come on. <laughs> Come on in. Welcome, welcome. The slow road to better. Why do we do the slow road to better? Well, we've been lucky where we can talk about it to our our friends, people here at the Stroke Comeback Center, but now then we can tell more people across the world to learn about it. What is the it that we're talking about? Aphasia. Stroke yeah. survivors. Mm-hmm. TBI people. Life moves on. Inspiration. Help listeners. That our inspiration of a bridge of hope. I love it. Trying to help each other a lifeline. Part of it also is we started doing it. It's not because we just wanted to tell everyone to see what happened to us. But also we wanted to get better talking ourselves oh, with the phaser. Sure. And we wanted to one day, it's not going to... Phase is not leaving it, but we'd like to crush it a little bit. Let's listen in. Listen in. First, welcome, 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 Deborah and Steve to uh, our, our podcast and the Slow Road to Better. But first, I should give your bio, okay? And I wrote it down because it's long and I don't want to mess it up. All right. Welcome to, I'm going to use a kitty's term. Professor Deb Meyerson. She's an author and a professor, and she specialized in the areas of diversity, gender, identity, and organizational change. And she is also a stroke survivor. Uh, joining Deborah today is her husband, Steve, who also has a very long and impressive bio as well, but he doesn't get quite the shout out that Deborah does. Uh, <laughs> Today, we're going to talk to both Deborah and Steve about her book, Identity Theft, Rediscovering Ourselves After Stroke. And we are so glad that you guys joined us today. So welcome to the Slow Road to Better. Thank you. Thank you. Typically, what we do is I do the intro and then our members of the podcast ask questions. I'm super psyched you're here. And... Who has our first question? I will. So when, <laughs> when, when did you have a stroke or TBI? Um, uh, 10 years and a half ago, I had that stroke, that two strokes, um, one month apart. Okay. And where obviously you're working and then you had a stroke at home or whatever. And did you know about, you know, a stroke that is, you, you don't really, you know, if it's tired or whatever, or did you know, Oh my God, this is changing. Um, Six months ago, oh no, six years, no, six uh, uh, months after, before oh, uh, yeah. the uh, stroke, I had a headache, re- really bad headache once a day. And mm. I, it, um, uh, I am, uh, Steve and I and uh, my son, and daughter uh, had uh, the um, Lake Tahoe for the weekend, uh, Labor Day the weekend, and the I the ambulance uh, t- uh, helped me to Reno. So Deb's Deb's stroke was a little bit unusual. Um, I mean, we learned this all very, very much later, but it was caused by something called a dissection. So it has the same effect as a blood clot in that it blocks blood flow, but it's actually a flap of the inner lining of the artery. And what they think happens, and it's a little bit of guesswork, was that flap had created gotten created like six months earlier and it was closing for a little while and then opening and closing for a little while and opening 
which is why she was having the headaches. And she uh, also had one or two experiences yeah. where she got lightheaded, yeah. didn't quite faint, but sort of, and so she had actually gone to a neurologist and gotten scans and gotten checked out. But what they think really? is Nothing. just that when they took those scans, the flap was in the right place. Yeah. And right. so they didn't mm -hmm. see anything. And so Deb's stroke kind of came on slowly. And that's very different than what a lot of people describe yeah. and experience. So it started with just her leg being yeah. a little funny. Like it just, she didn't have full control of uh, her leg. Uh, hiking. We, we were out hiking and it was like, she couldn't quite support all her weight when her leg was in a certain position. Wow. And then, it, and then the next morning, she had a little trouble using her arm. And that was somewhere I had read that a sign of a stroke is when you have more than one part on one side of the body that's not working right. And so we immediately took her to the hospital and that's good. Say for, that I would say for good. Like, yeah. Well, although unfortunately, the quick response that often helps people, which is getting TPA. Yeah, yeah. One, it wouldn't have worked because it was a dissection, not a clot. But two, the, the early scans, they couldn't tell for sure if it was a, yeah. an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke. And of course, if there's any risk that it's a hemorrhagic stroke, they won't give you TPA because that, that can kill you. Um, so unfortunately, oh. the, the symptoms came on slowly, but powerfully, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. No, it's uh, uh, 10 years and a half. It's really a long time. A long time. Two years ago, I hit by the car walking home from work. Uh, I have aphasia. Uh, in the hospital, I was so scared, so afraid, so depressed, so angry like why me you know why me uh before i was working choice hotel international and i was upscale manager wow. i was uh, uh presenting the people and i was working my finance and mm. my 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 upscale team was love me and I was so, 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 so happy. I was so happy. I was so energetic. But two years, I was so silent. I was just a yes, no, bad, so-so, or, um, or okay. But I was so depressed. Um, but... I was working SCC and I was trying to say my own word, my own word. And two two years, I I am better now. I I am so slow, but I am better. Now, like in aphasia, aphasia doctor said that uh uh one one year then this is this is not possible. I I I I disagree. Completely. Yes, yes, <laughs> I disagree too. And yes. they tell you that it's not true. It's not true. Yeah, it's not true. For our listeners, you couldn't see this, but every face on the screen when Kitty started to talk about six month a year, everybody's head is shaking no vigorously. Yeah. <laughs> not buying that. Yeah. You're you're speaking great. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. I agree. Yeah. And I I listen and reading and I love the identity set for you as Professor Deborah. And I, I love it so much. And then quote uh, Barbara said, who when, when I'm home alone, I don't have aphasia. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't yeah. have aphasia yeah. in, in my memory, mm. but speaking, I have aphasia. Just yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Barbara Shedden is the one you said. You know, the concept of, you know, when I'm by myself, I don't have aphasia because it, it's all right in my head. We, we talked about that on one of the podcasts about inner speech, how it sounds so perfect in your head that the thought is there, the words are there, and how frustrating it is when it goes to come out of your mouth and what you have is not anywhere close to what you sound like in your head and how frustrating that can be for people with aphasia. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree yeah. completely. It's really frustrating and really, um, it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Kitty, I thought you were gonna bring up a phrase when I was reading Deborah's book, you say this a lot, forward, not backward. Yeah, forward, not backward. Mm -hmm. Like a few years ago, boss my Shima and I were the dinner and I was so sad, so crying. And I, I was saying that I don't like it. I wish I could be uh, continue. I wish I could be continue. But boss my said, look forward not back oh yeah i i, I really uh, i am look forward i am really committed to look forward not that mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it's really difficult and and uh frustrating I mean, one of the things we talk about a lot is it's it's human to to grieve what you've lost and to sort of think anyone can look forward, not back all the time. You know, if you say that, a lot of times it just sounds so Pollyannish. It's like, yeah, that's easy to say. Um, and I think one of the things we've really tried to do is try to understand how can you maintain that as a general way of going about life? but also give yourself the freedom and the space to, to grieve what you lost. And I, I am, um, Sarah, my daughter said, um, the pity party. <laughs> nah. Pity party. Pity party. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we just love that expression. She said it in a totally different context. It was, you know, she, she was a teenager going through all the teenage girl stuff. All right, that's different. <laughs> well, but it's it it, it kind of isn't because you know at the time she was generally a problem solver. She didn't like wallow in all that stuff. But she come, came home one day and was just whining and complaining. And, and it's I, a I, pity I, part. I said I said to her, mm -hmm. "Do you want me to do you want me to help you solve this?" And she said, "No, let's just have mm -hmm. a Friday night pity party." And and so then when Deb had her stroke, it was sort of like. What we liked about the idea of a pity party is it's got a beginning and it's got an end. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And because yeah, like the that. fear of, of looking back and giving yourself permission is that you get stuck in it. Yeah. Um, and, and yet the, the fear of saying, look forward, not back, and don't allow yourself to look back is it's just not human. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the balance we've tried to strike. And you're right. You, yes. Sometimes you can't do anything wrong or right. And then some days you're amazing at speech and everything. It's yeah. just, and yeah. it's not even aphasia. It is everyone. Yeah, it's everyone. And then I love to say that chapter um, 12, uh, how the world respond. How to respond? I I am disability, but I I am not disability. I am ability people. Ability people because everyone working 
but not normal, but everyone. Ability, not disability. You know what I mean? Disability, normal people, disability, just uh, uh, half human, half human. But the deaf, the blind, the wheelchair, the aphasia, everyone is is ability, but not disability. I think one of the things, Chris, you touched on too, was one of the things I like best about this book is that sometimes things are really sucky. It just, life really sucks. And then there are also some days when you go, or as odd as it might seem to people, there are things about my life that are better. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that from a lot of survivors. Yeah, yeah. I would I would also agree with your thought that it's not people in the first year or two of their recovery that's down the road a bit when people mm-hmm. have a little bit different perspective. Yes. But often it's an alarming thought the first time they realize that there's something better about their life after they've had a stroke. Yeah, happy and and, uh, sad is the the same uh, um, happy and sad. And that was, you know, that when we were working on the book for a long time, Deb would not let the expression silver lining anywhere near the draft. (laughs) Because it was almost like a, if I admit there's anything good, that means I'm admitting this whole thing is good. And so that that was kind of a real breakthrough to sort of when Deb gave herself permission to celebrate good things. And, and that was, I think, a pretty important yeah. transition for us in terms of the ability to look forward, not back. Yeah. Yes. So um, when did you realize you're not work again after the stroke? Um, And how do you deal with that? um, Three years after my stroke, um, really, I am committed to getting better. And, And I, three years yeah, after my stroke, uh, the, the medical leave at Stanford is uh, three years. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> Two years, <laughs> and uh, I am three years in, in some settings. And, and um, street therapy, uh, uh, occupational therapy uh, uh, and physical therapy I uh, I uh, everything no um, I really uh, going to be better soon and yeah yeah just that for the for three years Deb was just 110 percent. I am going to get better and I'm going back to my old life. Yeah. And it was when, because of Stanford's policy and Stanford was great and they were very supportive and actually gave her an extra year of leave versus Mm -hmm. the normal policy. But they reach a point where if you're a tenured faculty and you can't come back to your job that you have to give it up. And, and she was forced to do that. And that was really, we talk about that as really what yeah. kicked off Deb's identity crisis. Yes. Mm, like, really? Who, who am I now? So yeah. we, we even talk about that three-year event as a second trauma yeah. because it was oh really, my gosh. Deb was in such denial for the first three years. And you too. Me too. Yeah. I mean, we, we used to refer to it as someday we're going to look back on this and it's going to be a six-month blip. Then we started to say it's going to be a one-year blip and then a three-year blip. But it was at that three-year period that we realized it, it's not a blip. It's a it's a change. And yeah, and that's when Deb new started. normal. Yeah, yeah, and uh, basically, yeah, 
and uh, uh, half a year, I had no idea what to do. And I uh, started uh, writing a book. And I wow. think if I, if I can, Tanya, just to put a little spin on what you said, I think a big part of, so at three years, Deb realized she's not going to be able to work the way she used to. And then the five years of the book writing process really involved the, okay, but I'm not ready to stop working. What kind of work can I do? What, you know, what was it about being a professor that I loved? And are there other ways I can yeah. create knowledge, share knowledge? Yeah. And that's really what led us to create Stroke Onward yeah. as a nonprofit to do work in the stroke that's recovery good. arena. Yeah. Because Deb can continue to work. It's just a different kind of work. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I asked my um, um, stroke doctor, um, will I ever work again? This was six months after my stroke. Yeah. I, I asked him and he told me I, I never work again. And um, I knew that before he told me, but I want to hear it from you. So, um, and now, um, last year, I was accepted to volunteer at um, um, Brookside Gardens, but the stroke mm. prevented me yeah. from doing that. Yeah. And now, I I don't I I want I want to volunteer. Yeah. yeah but I, now I have to do something else. Yeah. I the 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 COVID. What? Yeah, COVID. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I really admire you to go and 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 purpose and meaning is the the two things. Yeah, and and I think a big part. I mean, one of the things we talk about a lot too is how much of your time do you spend trying to regain capabilities you lost and then when and how much do you start adapting to the fact that maybe you're never going to get all of them back yeah so, yeah you know yeah. In, in in looking for new ways to work what are the kinds of things you can do that where your particular disability yeah. or you know I, I tend to like you were saying, Kitty. Nobody, nobody's disabled. They, they. I know. Have, yeah. Have, have I, I, I believe that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I've got a dis. I've always had a disability. I can't remember <laughs> anything. But, um, but you know, so what kinds of volunteer work? You know, if speech is your biggest constraint, Tanya. Yeah. What kind yeah. of volunteer work can you do where that's not a barrier? Yeah. Um, yeah. Kitty, I was thinking there's one woman we talk about in the book who had a traumatic brain injury, a, a close family friend of ours. Yeah. Um, and her big issue is short-term memory. Yeah, yeah. And there were a lot of people who thought she'd never go back to work, yeah. but she found a job where she can have very routine, yeah. well-spelled out yeah. tasks. And she's working full-time now yeah. for a, at a hardware store. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Good. Good. Ability, not disability. Ability. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and really, uh, Tanya, it's really the volunteers or paid work or, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. And Professor Deborah, you uh, at your book, uh, you you are wanting and doing and you you are uh, wanting and doing you you are because in because at the book I, I love the book and I I love it and and like uh, before you you are you were wanting and 
doing now? And I am, I am uh, Regina, my friend, and I are working my memoir, my memoir, my- Really? Yeah, my memoir. And then uh, I, I was my before and after accident and I was trying to my 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 uh, hospital, my hospital, and after my hospital, and uh, Regina, my friend, and I were uh, after each other. Like uh, I said, uh, I uh, Regina writing my coma. And after my coma, and I would write, and then three surgery, uh, I am right, and then Regina write, and then um, final surgery, I will write, and then Regina write. Yeah. How do you write the book? Uh, I, I. No, no. Um, Deborah and Steve, <laughs> how, how do you write a book? when you're um aphasia yeah um uh, um uh, i i so like yes sorry two books uh um uh, for uh uh stroke and oh so you are an author yeah. before yeah. your stroke yeah yes, yes okay yeah and and after that uh, uh, um Col um S sally collins and i interviewed um really t t t t three years um after um three years uh and S uh, Sarah, S sally collins and i interviewed uh 25 people and oh no more 60 people. Uh, and and she is uh, uh n n names no well, yeah yeah so i mean high level deb had to learn to accept help yeah. in a way that she didn't before when she wrote two books before her stroke it was a, there were collaborators but she could just do what she wanted to do yeah and i think that's that's what's so powerful about the beginning of chapter nine and our daughter's talk was that that really was her as a 16 year old girl that was her who was fiercely independent yeah. much like her mother was fiercely yeah. independent yeah. and it's her strength and and saw that deb was forced to accept help and that led her to realize that strength wasn't about being able to do everything yourself with no help. It was about being able to let other people in and accept help. And, and that really was Deb's big breakthrough mm -hmm. in writing the book. And it was very much, you know, it was us having very, very long conversations in which I'd try to get what her point was yeah. she was trying to mm -hmm. get out. Mm -hmm. And then I would write down an outline that reflected what I thought. And she'd say, yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no. Yeah. Okay. And we'd rewrite it. And then we'd kind of decide what the flow was. And then like she okay. said, we, we found this woman, Sally Collings, who was an editor and a ghostwriter. And so Sally, because I had a full-time job at the time, so yeah. um, I could only help so much. And Sally was really Deb's partner in doing the interviews and in yeah. getting the first draft together. Yeah. Um, and then that, that draft didn't quite yeah. say it had a lot of good stuff, but it didn't quite say what yeah. Deb wanted to say. And we were lucky that our oldest son, Danny, was between jobs trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And he offered to step in mm -hmm. and really help take all the good material but help Deb reorganize it so that it really yeah. told the story and delivered the message she wanted to deliver. Wow. And, so and it's really 
five years is a long time that, and uh, it's, uh, yes, no, Steve and I, yes, no, yes, no. It's really a long uh, yeah, process. Yeah. Now, so my brain was what is left with it. Um, I can hear myself in complete sentences, but I can't obviously voice it. Is, is that what you have basically? Y yes. Okay. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and the, my arm and my leg. Definitely. But yeah. I, so I was wondering like, can you, if Steve wrote two page paper that it, it, you can read that at, at, um, inner log or whatever and then basically say no this is not right okay and, and reading is fine writing is really difficult it's pushing <laughs> it's reading is fine Okay. Oh, wow. yeah. Basically, what, what we did was a very long and tedious process to train me to be able to read Deb's mind. <laughs> I like that. Gotcha. <laughs> I must say, Deborah, you, you trained him well. He seems yeah. to have um, read your mind pretty well. Absolutely. It's awesome. Like one year and a half, really, I, the, the COVID. Yeah, is really. She's had to live with me twenty four seven. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of together time. Yes, yeah. It's interesting. We were we were doing a a video with a stroke support group, and you know, you talk about all the different kinds of aphasia, and that you know, you were describing kind of the difference between receptive problems and expressive problems. And as frustrating as the expressive is, you know, we sort of feel lucky because at least Deb's got getting the inputs yeah. to react to yeah. somebody who doesn't get the inputs. It's even a harder yeah. process. Yeah. And then on, yeah. the, on the expressive side, we were just talking about the dramatic difference between Deb and it sounds like the rest of the folks on this call where it's just hard to get things out versus other people who have aphasia and words just come yeah. spewing out, but they don't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In yeah. some ways that would feel even more, you know, kind of, so everybody's situation is different. So um, 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 your interviews, um, what did you learn about identity theft? Um, one thing you learned, uh, um, about your interviews, identity theft? Uh, it's uh, really, uh, the stroke is different for every person. Yeah. Uh, it's really different. Uh, some people have really, uh, it's really di different. And the, uh, uh, identity, um, the identity is really uh, five, four things about the identity is really uh, central. Um, I mean, two things that I would add to that that I think really grew out of the interviews. One was that I mean, there's, there's not enough support in our healthcare system for the physical rehabilitation side of recovery, but there was almost nothing yeah. to help people think about, okay, so how do I rebuild my identity? How do I rebuild my life? Mm. And, and that really was one of our big takeaways, which again, is what led us to, to start Stroke Onward. And I think the second big thing that came out is 
different people, different survivors get to a point where thinking about the rebuilding of identity is the right thing to do. That like for Deb, we tell a story all the time about a, an occupational therapist who worked with Deb from about six months after her stroke to 18 yeah. months after her stroke in outpatient therapy. And she said to us once about four or five years ago, you know, if I had told you that you need to think about rebuilding a life and rebuilding a different kind of life when we were working together, I would have gotten a black eye, a bloody nose, or a lip, <laughs> or all three. You would have you would have just swung at me because you didn't want to hear it yeah. then. Um, and and you know we look on Amazon and there are a handful of reviews of the book from stroke survivors yeah. or their care partners yeah. who read it who aren't yet at the place where they want to think about it. Yeah. So one of the really? things we've really yeah. struggled with yeah. is. We know there needs to be more support in the recovery system hmm. for this emotional journey, but how and when to introduce it is really tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and my uh, nurse, um, three months after uh, her stroke, she is uh, 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 emotional support. Yeah, one of the women we, we interviewed was a nurse about to retire, had a stroke, retired, and she very quickly, you know, Deb said three months, she said, okay, this is my new life. Let's build around it. And yeah. she, was, she was ready. Whereas we met other people, Deb was three years. We met other people who were six years after their stroke. I think one of the things we also saw is the people who hang on to that I've got to get back to who I was for, yeah. too, long, for too long. Yes. Those are the people. My who career. Right? Yeah. And those are the people who it seems start to struggle with depression yes. because the reality isn't what they want. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, I like to see the uh, Amazon reviews. You're saying they all need to write reviews? Yes. <laughs> I'll definitely write a review. We'll write you a review. Yeah. I'll write um, a review. That's one of the things that I struggle with a lot as a therapist. People will ask, where am I going to be in a year? Or when is this going to end? Yeah. And it's very, it's a very challenging question. And often I've had discussions with members who I love it when, when I love that you're uh, feisty, Deborah, and that you give people a hard time because I learn a lot from, from other members, right? Who say to me, how can you say that? You don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, you're right. I don't know. This is, this is all I can tell you. This is what I've seen in my career, but prove me wrong. That's <laughs> what I'd love to see. Prove me wrong. Because I do believe attitude makes a big oh, difference. I, I agree completely. Yes. Um, I agree completely. The, the growth and, uh, and you go. Uh, growth and uh, um, my uh, uh, doctor said thing um, the the brain is um, the one of the the speech that uh, uh, centers is really uh, uh, affected, and I uh, I am uh, Sarah Watson really really proved me wrong. No. Deb's primary care physician, when Deb was meeting with her, probably four years after the uh, stroke said, I never thought you'd have this much speech yeah, back. Yeah. You know, looking at the amount of damage that was done to your brain, if, if you had asked me two years ago where you'd get to, I never would have guessed you would have gotten this far. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that balancing act of 
And I think we heard it at, at the beginning of the podcast. Everybody said, no, you can keep getting better for a year, for two years, for five years. Deb's still getting better 10 years later. Yeah. And so having that hope yeah. and that resolve yeah. and that hard work for as long as you want to do it yeah. is wonderful. Balancing that against the acknowledgement of how far are you going to get and how much do you want to hang on to I'm going to get everything back someday so I can get back to what life used to be like versus saying, no, I need to build a new life. Doesn't mean I have to stop working at getting better, but I do have, I do want to build a new life with meaning, with purpose, with yeah. fun based on what I have today. Yeah. Um, and that's a very personal choice. How much time do you spend still trying to get better? Because you only have 24 yeah. hours in a day. And you need a lot of sleep. So, you know, if you do therapy all day long, you're not building a new kind of career. If you're building a new kind of career all day long, then you don't have time for therapy. So what's the balance? Yeah, no, no, no. The fun, too. Right. I mean, yeah. we always talk about getting back to the business of living. There's more to life. You know, after a stroke, I watch people's whole lives just suck down into this small little spiral of medical appointments and therapy appointments and homework and exercises and Deb you're so right like where is the fun hmm. feed your soul find the things that make you happy and do do some of that and it might be old things in different ways or new things you didn't have an interest in, but now you do. And that message comes across strongly in your book. And I feel like that's one of the messages of this podcast, you know, never give up. People keep getting better and get back to the business of living, whatever yeah. that is for you. Yeah. And for the people that can do that successfully, they do thrive doesn't mean yeah. it's easy doesn't mean that some days don't suck but they live well with aphasia and they're role models for everybody else yes we're thrivers yes thrivers yeah um uh, american uh uh association steve and i had uh six uh, uh columns a year and one of them are fun. See, we and I, Steve and I are uh, friends and family, no, friends and fun are one. We're in the middle of drafting the next column about that specifically, yeah. about the importance of building fun back into your life and, and, Hmm. Unfortunately, we were supposed to deliver that draft a week ago, so we're a little behind. But <laughs> I, I, I like that message, and I, um, I have fun with my friends and my family. Yeah, I have fun too. My friend, yeah. my uh, coworker, my uh, best friends, and my soulmates. Yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned support a lot. And I think that is one of the magical aspects of the Stroke Comeback Center and the associations that, that you're with. Um, and I even feel like we saw that a little bit when Chris, I think like busted on Steve or something. We have a lot of fun. I mean, and I think that's one of the nice pieces if people can find an aphasia center or group or arc or something virtual where you just you can be you and yeah. the language and the conversations can be slower but you can still pick on your friends and you can still make jokes and it's just very very supportive to not feel alone steve and i can say yep Deborah, we get it. But you know what? We don't get it like Tanya gets it. And we don't get it like Kitty and Chris and Pat get it. Makes a big difference to have people who understand your perspective. Yeah. The, um, uh, uh, virtual connections, uh, Lang Dubrafaka, uh, 
family, uh, 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 my uh, and I, uh, um, primary is a stroke survivor, and then I do the identity theft. Then and and, and um, four times, uh, no four, uh, four times no four times. Would it help? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so on virtual connections, which based on the nods, it sounds like you all are familiar with. So Deb and no. No. Uh, Tanya, are you familiar with virtual connections? It's a um, no. Lingraphica and and ARC, ARC, partnered to create a virtual support group program. Oh. And they're now up to holding, I don't know, about 30 a week of different kinds what? of virtual support groups. And, wow. and Deb and Flannery, who's a survivor and also the executive director of Stroke Onward, the nonprofit, are hosting every other week a rebuilding identity support group for survivors. And then uh, Flannery and I, every other week, are hosting one for care partners. Yeah. Um, and up until now, they've been kind of open. Whoever signs up goes. But starting next week, we're trying a new structure where people sign up to go to a series of four so that hopefully the group stays together for two months so that they get hmm. to know each other better. And I think okay. this whole thing of virtual support groups, you know, talk about a silver lining yeah. from COVID. I think that people have figured out it may not be as good as in-person, but it's better than nothing. And for people who didn't, who weren't lucky to be near a, a physical place that had a good support group now can participate in something. And, is, uh, and all over the world, the, 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 the virtual connections is all over the world. We got to, I got to meet a wonderful care partner from Italy um, last time. And um, when I post the podcast, I'll make sure that it's on our Facebook page yeah. too, so that when people can find the podcast, they can also find the, the link. The, the, the 20 people, I, I am sure it's not felt one it's really uh, important to, to sign up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I, her, I think her point is it fills up fast. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So yeah. if you want to get in on the action, make sure you sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, while we're speaking about care partners, and that's a big piece of your book, actually, um, there was something you wrote that made me laugh out loud, and it was... Um, Talking about Steve, actually, which I appreciated because I feel like our families take, whether people have had strokes or not, that our families get the worst of us. I think we give the best of ourselves to all the people we don't know very well. And our families get the worst of us because they love us anyway. But it had something to do with Steve and opening doors or something like kind of like no matter what he did it was the wrong thing like <laughs> what you know what what do you open the door for I can open the door I don't need you to help me and then like in the next sentence was like Steve what are you doing help a sister out don't you know I had a stroke what the hell's the problem here and I thought that is exactly right that's where our care partners are like no sort of no matter what they do they're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and and I, I talk all the time about the six magic words for a care partner uh, that I'm embarrassed. It took me three years to figure out, but it's, would you like me to help? But I also think that, you know, the point you make and one of the reasons why we've organized Stroke Onward to focus on care partners as well as survivors, you know, it, it, it does affect our lives dramatically, but not as dramatically as it affects the survivor's life. And so yeah. 
I shouldn't complain to Deb about how bad it is for me because however bad it is for me, it's worse for her. And yet I do need a place to voice that and get support and get guidance. And that's mm. one of the reasons why we're finding these care partner support groups to be very well received because I think most care partners sort of feel like they're in the same place, which is, I, I know it's not as bad for me, but I'm going crazy. Um, and, and so it's healthy to have a place to talk about that. Yeah. We've said it a thousand times, stroke happens to a family. It's mm -hmm. really stressful for families and friends and coworkers. People don't know what to say. They're afraid to say the wrong thing. And I know that you guys have an event coming up with the Stroke Comeback Center, a virtual event on June 24th. So I'm going to I'm going to plug that and tell um, our listeners about it. It's 430 to 530 Eastern Standard Time. We're East Coast people here on June 24th. And it's open to the public so um, our listeners can participate, our members and care partners, medical professionals. And I think Deb and Steve are, are going to talk for about 25 to 30 minutes about your story and the process of writing the book and stroke onward, sort of the mission to provide emotional support, mental health, all of those really, really important issues that don't get enough, I don't know, airtime in general. And then there's going to be a Q&A. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And I'll make sure that um, that information is in our comment section on our Facebook page as well. Yeah. And uh, I like that. Thank you. Um, uh, the, the, the website is the website, uh, the Soak Onward website is definitely going to be in the comments section yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, um just if yeah if, if when you post the blog you post the website for stroke onward so if people want to learn more about the work we're doing and that's um, good and hopefully get involved because yeah. it takes a village yeah, yeah absolutely yes and i always pester as many people as i can to share our facebook posts so that the podcast will get out there Deborah and Steve, I want to thank you so much for your time and your energy and all your efforts towards supporting the entire aphasia community. Thank you. Kitty, we're going we're gonna to take you on like a book marketing roadshow. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. She's been, she's been hawking your book for at least two months now, oh. I would say. I know. Again, Deborah and Steve, thank you so, so much. And with that, we are going to wrap it up on this episode of Slow, Slow Road, Road to Better. Our lawyers made us say this. Disclaimers. What about disclaimers? Your opinion, the group opinion is not valid. Well, it is, but it's valid, but I'm having a disclaimer so that we don't get in trouble. Yes. Doctors. Doctors. Who's doctor? There's. Um, they. They. Their doctor. Yes. All right. Yes. So if people hear something on this podcast, you should ask your doctor. Doctor. Amen. <laughs>